You're listening to Fandoms. I'm your host, Brody Otway. Join me as I interview a guest about anything from fish to fish. The second one has a PH. Today on the show, we'll be talking to Brian about the band Fish. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Brady, for having me. I'm excited. Very excited to talk about Fish here with you. So how would you describe Fish to somebody who's never heard of the band? It's really difficult. It's kind of like if I told you, remember that weird group of kids in high school that always seemed to have their own inside joke and knew a lot about everything, but didn't socialize a lot. Now picture them as musician savants who could sell out Madison Square Garden. And that's how I would describe Fish. So how did you first discover Fish? What was it that got you into them? It was back in the summer of 1996. I was at a summer camp, a sleepaway camp, and we were on a trip, like a field trip, I guess, a hiking trip to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. And the uh, head counselor who was driving the van at the time put in a CD of an album called A Picture of Nectar, one of Fish's first few albums. And there was one song on it that just hooked me. I don't know what it was. It sounded unlike what I was listening to at the time, which was normally classic rock, like generic garden variety classic rock. But there is this one song called Glide, which opened with a bunch of cowbells and then had big power chords in the middle and silly uh, vocal harmonies. And it just, it combined everything I loved. Silliness, sense of humor, uh, music, uh, musical expertise. And it was catchy. And I just wanted to hear it over and over again. So it was the first thing I did when I got home from camp that summer was buy that album and wore it out. What was the album? The album is called A Picture of Nectar. How many albums has Fish released? Um, not entirely sure. I know studio albums, they've released 15, one five. Oh. And yeah, and since uh, about 2000, they started this uh, series called Live Fish, where it's just whatever concert their archivist thought was notable or extra special for whatever reason. And it's been released first on CD. And then as technology has developed now, just digitally and streaming. So they have virtually an endless amount of live albums. But as far as studio albums, 15. That's more than I expected, honestly. Um, <laughs> what is it about Fish that separates them from other bands for you? Oh, a million things. Uh, one thing especially is I know that people call them a cult band, like they've never had a big record. They never had a hit record that made its way onto wide radio play. Uh, but to me, it's the fish community, and which is part of the reason why I'm here, why I'm a big part of the fan base. I love it so much is that anyone you meet at a fish concert is kind of like a temporary friend, uh, at least for the duration of the show. And then if you stay in touch, of course, longer. But the fact that it's like an enormous inside joke. Everyone is in on it that you meet and there's always more to learn. So that's the big part of what pulls me to them. The other part, obviously, since they're a band is the music and I don't love every one of their songs, but I do love most of them. And the fact that they never play a song the same way twice keeps them uh, compelling and interesting to me as a fan. Do you have a favorite song by them? 
Yeah, that's that's kind of a uh, a tricky question. Uh, my favorite song, I think, all the way goes back to that first one I mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, "Glide," which is that studio track that hooked me to begin with, and that's kind of a sentimental reason. And it's also kind of a rarity; they don't play it live that often, so it's kind of extra special when they do. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite member of the band? Yeah, I think so. I think the drummer. Uh, who the band is named after his name is john fishman he's my favorite member i think he's got he seems the most down to earth of all the different personas that they put out there he is all he has always been on point there are times when other members of the band have highs and lows throughout their 40-year career but fishman has always seemed consistent and even improved since they began in 1983. He's, I don't know if he's the most talented per se, but he's definitely the most consistent. How many times would you estimate you've seen them live? I actually have a number for you. I uh, There's an app actually that you can look up and calculate all of this. Uh, it'll just take me a second. I have seen them live one, 159 times. Whoa, that's, that's a lot more than I expected. <laughs> At the time of this recording, there's a few shows coming up. What do you think about people who say that they keep releasing the multiple albums, but with only one song, like is all their songs are very samey? See, I don't really understand that because that is just uh, provably false. They don't release the same album with, with, I'm sorry, different albums with the same song on their live tracks. Yeah, you'll get some repeats because they don't always play completely different set lists or you know you might hear if you go to five shows you might hear the same song twice so in terms of that that's true but their songs sound wildly different one of the most compelling and attractive things about the band is that they play almost any genre you could think of and some you can't some that you can't so i think that's just unfounded and lazy criticism yeah, I definitely, I came across that complaint a few times while looking up the band while researching for questions. But then when I listened to the band, honestly, I you created a little bit of a fish fan now because I really enjoyed <laughs> the music that I did find while I was researching them. And I it was a complaint I seen a bunch from people who didn't seem to be a fan of the band. But I, I, I like you said, I found it to be quite unfounded. Yeah, well, they're they're an easy target. That goes all the way back to the mid 90s when they were hitting one of their peaks, their first big peak. There's they're an easy target because they kind of have this stigma of being a Grateful Dead ripoff, which is completely untrue. Uh, they do noodle a lot when they play live. Their improvisation, if you're not into it, it's easy to make fun of and criticize. And it's been years since this was true. But, you know, that generic image, incorrect generic image of like the smelly lazy hacky sack uh hemp necklace wearing fish fan is outdated at this point but for some reason people who found it funny in high school or college and now are in their 40s still revert back to it kind of brings us to my next question um i found a few videos on youtube like uh called fish law and other things and it seemed like most of the people they talked to were on drugs or kind of mentally ill and stuff is that a good representation of the fan base or are they just picking the people who are going to get the most weird reactions? I think it's more the latter than the former. Uh, it's easy to put together some kind of supercut of messed up fans in the fish parking lot. I mean, they do exist. I would be an idiot to say, no, that's just all made up. It's, it kind of reminds me of when uh, 
Triumph, the insult comic dog, would be would do segments on the Conan O'Brien show, and they would just take the same three or four goofy people who they found and just edit it together. Uh, there are people who kind of lost their minds and are really easy to make fun of and laugh at at shows. That's impossible to deny. But no, I don't think that it represents the fan base as a whole. I think it's the fan base is actually a lot more uh, homogenous than that. I think it's mostly white. Well, when I say younger, I guess that can mean anywhere from 18 to 40 something uh, year old middle upper middle class men. For the most part, there are women who love fish, of course. But when you talk about the fan base as a whole, I don't think the goofy stoned out of their mind can't get a sentence through on a microphone with a camera in the uh, in the parking lot. I don't think that represents most fans, but it does represent some. Have you ever seen the American Dad episode they did where they had fish? It was like all about fish, the subplot, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, you, you sent me those notes and I remember when it was aired. I didn't see it originally, but the writer for American Dad who pitched it was posting all over social media in different fish groups trying to promote it, basically saying, you know, I wrote this episode and it has all these references if you guys could watch it. So I didn't see it because I don't watch American Dad typically, but I found it this morning to get ready for uh, our chat. And I thought it was pretty funny. I don't really think American Dad hits my center, my sense of humor, but it's very obvious that the person who wrote the person who posted and wrote that episode is part of this fan base. He, he hit all the good spots. The de- it was in the details for sure. Awesome. Um, have you ever had any negative experiences with another f- member of the fish fandom? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's the sort of thing where almost like if you have a younger sibling where you're allowed to make fun of them, but if anyone else makes fun of them, you better shut up sort of thing. So I'll tell you that a fish concert is the greatest place in the world to be, but I'm also the first one to line up and criticize when something goes wrong. So I remember one time at Madison Square Garden, this was probably about three years ago, there was a guy who was trying to find an open seat and he's one of the wooks if you from that uh american dad episode they talk about wookies or wooks he is one of those messed up guys who was trying to climb over the rows into a seat and as he was somewhat successfully climbing the back of his foot kept hitting me in the head and i was really not having it i was in a really bad mood and i tried to like nudge him over and tell him hey can you be careful can you watch out and he like he didn't lose it on me but he kept looking at me and kind of like nudging me kind of like I was messing up his trip, so to speak. Uh, He stood around for a song and then left. And I found out later that he was like, he just tried to run through the corridor at Madison square garden and had to be taken down by security. So I've had other bad experiences with other fish uh, fans, but that is the most recent one that I could recall. And it's the most visceral one because I could feel it in the back of my head right now. That sounds brutal. Like, I, so he was just tripping out. That's my guess. I think he did too much of whatever he was doing and didn't know where he was. Or what's more likely is didn't understand how whatever he was doing affected those around him. And eventually it came back to bite him in the butt. Yeah, I I, I find those people exist in most concert fandoms. Like there's always inconsiderate people who just they have no self-awareness. They have no um, self-awareness. They always think their opinion is the right one. And if they're bothering you, it must be your fault. That exists in the fish fan base as well as any other. Yeah. So our final question here we like to ask people is what is your favorite thing about being a fish fan? I mentioned this, I think, at the top of our conversation. But my favorite thing about being a fish fan is 
the community aspect of it. And that's very saccharine to say. It's not always, like I said, it's not always the greatest thing in the world, but it seems like if you have that one thing in common with any other fan, you're set for, you know, if you're on an airplane flight next to someone, or if you notice that your waiter or waitress is wearing, Fish has like a pattern, a donut pattern uh, that is kind of like flying your colors. Like you can, it's always a conversation starter. There's always something to talk about. And I think that's the essence of being in a community. And I host a podcast about the fish experience and being a part of that community has really made me uh, some great friends, some great connections, whether or not we're actual friends, and also put me in touch with people who I otherwise never would have met and heard stories I otherwise never would have heard. I love it. That's that's the kind of stuff I love hearing about with a fan base. I started this show because I I just love hearing about why people love the things they love and hearing about a good fan community is always awesome. There's so many ones where I've heard so many toxic stories and it sounds like Fish is one of the few where it seems pretty welcoming. Like you guys are a pretty, pretty good community. Yeah. If I ever go with someone to their first show, if I take someone, you know, act as a Sherpa kind of with them, my piece of advice and anyone listening, if you ever find yourself in a fish show, tell everyone it's your first show. Just, it doesn't matter who, when you sit down, when you're waiting in line to get something to drink, if you're on the train or uh, on the way with a lot of fans in the parking lot, Tell everyone it's your first show. Everyone is going to be so thrilled for you. It is a very welcoming space for the most part. That's awesome. I hope someday I can go to a show myself. Thank you very much for coming on. Where can people find you in your podcast? Well, thanks for having me. This was a really fun talk. My uh, podcast is called Attendance Bias, B-I-A-S, two words. You can find it anywhere that you know you find your podcasts. Uh, I'm also on social media, mostly Instagram and what used to be Twitter, Blue Sky and I'm signing up for everything and posting on one thing pretty much. Uh, But it's pretty much any fan who has a story because fish fans are very romantic about fish. They all have a story from one of the shows they've been to. Anyone who has an especially meaningful story, I have them come on the podcast. I kind of do this with them, what you and I are doing right now, Brody. I do what's called a lightning round where I ask them just five or six profile questions you know, what is, you know, what about being a fan, your favorite song, stuff like that. We get to know them as a fan. And then we talk about the show that they went to and why that show or that song, that jam that they witnessed was so meaningful to them. So it's called Attendance Bias and it could be found anywhere you get podcasts. That's awesome. Before you go, would you mind sharing us one of your best fish concert stories? I have plenty, uh, but one of them that stands out, this is one of my favorites, is It was October 8th, 1999. The band was playing at the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. And I grew up and lived very close to the Nassau Coliseum. And I was in high school at the time. My friends and I, a bunch of us were big fish fans. So school, high school ended at, I think, 2.05. We all went home, changed, got ourselves together. And we got to the Nassau Coliseum parking lot by like 2.45 or 3 o'clock. And we got in line instantly to get on general admission on the floor so we could get as close to the stage as possible. And the second night, this was the second of two nights, I wore a shirt uh, that had Keith Moon on it, the drummer from The Who. The Who were my favorite band. And we were front row both nights and we were going crazy. It was so much fun. It was such a rush. And then toward the end of the show on the second night, the eighth, the band's lyricist named Tom Marshall came on stage and they played and he sang the song We're Not Gonna Take It by The Who, not the Twisted Sister one, uh, We're Not Gonna Take It, which is at the end of the album Tommy. 
And I was freaking out because I was front row. It was like my new favorite band, Nudging Out The Who, my old favorite band. And I was wearing a Keith Moon shirt and I had the biggest flip out I could ever imagine. It was the first of many I would have over the next several decades. I love it. I'm a little bit of a Who fan myself. My friend got me into them in high school. So I would love to have you back and talk them sometime too, if you're down. Oh, absolutely. I don't have, I don't know if the the fan base is the same with The Who or any band really from the 60s or 70s. I don't think it's comparable with a band that really reached its peak in the 90s, just because of the essence of fandom and the internet having a huge part of that in connection. But I would love to talk The Who anytime. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. It's been a blast. Brody, thank you for having me. Thanks a bunch for tuning in. If you'd like to be a guest yourself, want to see a list of upcoming episodes, give feedback, or suggest questions, join us on Discord, or reach out to us on Twitter. You can also reach us at email at pod.fandoms at gmail.com. And if you could give us five stars on your podcast app of choice, we'd really appreciate it, as it helps us get new lovely listeners like yourself. Thank you.